Hi, everyone. I'm Amelia Quint, and I'm here with Jessica Crispin for the latest episode of the Bad Astrologers podcast, where we take a deep dive into the cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological world of the heavens. The astrology for the remainder of 2019 is about to get pretty intense, which you'd know if you were one of our patrons. Our Patreon supporters get access to special bonus episodes that dig into what's coming up next in the stars, including the Dadpocalypse, which is almost here and is going to be big. Our next bonus episode will be a look ahead at the astrology of 2020. So if you're curious about what the upcoming year has in store, head over to patreon.com slash badastro to contribute. Supporters also get access to a monthly Q&A video where you can ask a question about your personal natal chart, a monthly forecast, and lots more goodies to come. If you love listening to Bad Astrologers, make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. The more positive reviews we receive, the more lovely people like you will hear about this podcast. And make sure to follow us on social media too while you're at it. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bad Astrologers. Now, time for the episode. This week is the second installment of our Star Sign Stereotype series, and this time, air signs are up for review. Are Geminis the worst sign of the Zodiac, or secretly the best? Are all Libras superficial, or are they just more beautiful than the rest of us? And are all Aquarius people actually from outer space? We cover all this and more in one of our wildest conversations yet. So sit back, turn up your headphones, and let's start the show. All right, everyone. So for this episode, it is the second in our star sign stereotype series, and we are going to talk about the air signs. So if you're an air sign, get ready. You might want to sit down um, because this is going to be a a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, And and yes, we are going to talk about Kanye West. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, In advance. It's it's hard to get around it these days. It's very, very true. So should we just kick it off with Gemini? Yeah, might as well. Just like go go to the dark place first, you know. That's right. <laughs> so Gemini. Uh, Gemini gets an awful lot of hate for being uh, the capital worst with a capital T and W. Um, but I want to unpack that a little bit. Uh, what do you think makes Gemini's the supposed worst? Yeah, I've, it's interesting how they've somehow taken the sacrificial position away from Scorpio, right? Like it used to be, oh, Scorpios <laughs> are the worst, but now we're into Scorpios for some reason, and now we hate Gemini's. So they, they're now taking all of that energy, um, and I'm sure the Scorpios are grateful. Maybe they should send like a fruit bouquet or something. An edible you know? arrangement. An edible arrangement to any Gemini you know, because they are now taking the heat of uh, the the stereotyping of astrology. (laughs) I I think so. I would say that I'm really grateful to the Geminis, but I have a Gemini moon. So like 
it just flip-flopped i've i've got both of the terrible things going on um but yeah i mean i think it's easy to pigeonhole gemini into being the quote-unquote worst when you have like kanye west or donald trump um amongst your number um yeah Johnny Depp is also super terrible right now, yeah. like, but newly so. He was fine for a while, but now he is also. Maybe that's what tipped it over. Like when Johnny Depp went bad, that's when oh, Gemini maybe. went bad. He took it with him. <laughs> he he has some really volatile uh, Mars, Pluto, Uranus stuff going on altogether. So I think he just went off the rails and, and all the Geminis went down with him. What can you do? It's possible. Yeah. I remember being young, like teenager and in Cosmo, it was like, Johnny Depp is a Gemini. Gemini's are bad boys. And I don't know if that tracks it all, but in my mind <laughs> still, that's like, I, <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of Gemini. Is Willy Wonka is totally the bad boy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that that fully transmits throughout the whole the whole sign. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they are... Um, you know, we took this uh, little totally unscientific survey on Instagram to find out what people, uh, what were the worst stereotypes of their sign. And the Geminis came up, you know, again and again with that they are not serious people, um, that they're two-faced, and that they're deeply shallow. Ouch. I don't know. Yeah. I think two of those are wrong and one of them's right. Because it's like which, two which? truths and a lie. So <laughs> I don't see them as being shallow. And I don't really see them as being two-faced. Um, we'll talk about that more. But they are definitely not serious. Like, I mean, they can be very serious about their craft um, or their work they do. But they bring this sort of light and levity to every situation and this wit um, that's just, like, wonderful and amazing. So they, they don't take things too seriously. They generally yeah. can see the humor until they start to, um, you know, go super egotistical, like the Kanye cult leader side. Well, I feel like it's it's it makes sense that this moment in our culture where we are unified against the Gemini's because. Um, especially like the the sun Gemini people, um, I think one of the places that uh, signs go wrong is that when we're dealing with uh, sun sign astrology, uh, the sun rules the ego, and the ego likes to think that it's uh, the most important thing in a chart, in a person's life, whatever. Yes. Um, and with a Gemini, that's communication, that's speech. So we have a lot of big talkers in our culture and a, and a lot of liars and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sloganeering, a lot of uh, propaganda. And so I think there's just this sort of reaction against uh, empty talk uh, and it's just sort of Gemini's are taking the heat, even though they're not necessarily uh, behind all of it. Uh, but when you get Donald Trump in front of a big crowd, you definitely see dark Gemini energy uh, at work. Yeah, absolutely. They have this amazing ability to craft a message. Um, you know, the cliche is that they're the storytellers of the Zodiac, but that's really true. They're amazing publicists and marketers and 
really have their finger on the pulse of things because they understand how people communicate and and intake information. Gemini's a lot about information too and and to the point where it can be, you know, weaponized, especially in the case of Donald Trump, right? Um, but in in the positive light side of Gemini, um, you see people like Prince is my favorite Gemini maybe of all time. Um, and he was such an icon and such an amazing artist, um, in, in many different avenues to, you know, I think the two face side of Gemini, um, comes from Gemini people will not be put in any box. They kind of resist whatever labels you want to put on them. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Prince was obviously an incredible musician, but he was also an artist. He was such a style icon and used that to communicate, um, himself. He turned his name into a symbol, right? Like that's the ultimate Gemini um, Gemini act, right? So yeah, if you're trying to be a good Gemini, just, uh, try and channel Prince's ghost. That's my advice. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, my favorite Gemini, and now I'm going to do what nobody wants me to do, which is uh, talk a lot about Kendrick Lamar's <laughs> astrological chart. No, everybody obs- wants this. I'm obsessed. I, I am obsessed with it. Um, and mostly, I mean, so he's Sun in Gemini, but it's mostly his Venus in Gemini that I'm obsessed with because it is the uh, pinpoint of his yod. Um, and to me... Kendrick Lamar is somebody who's absolutely living his astrology out loud in this sort of very obvious way. Um, and so it's interesting to study and to watch it develop. His mm. So his Venus in Gemini is in the eighth house, which is already like, uh, you know, Persephone in the underworld. It's already like the goddess of spring hanging out with Hades kind of energy. And I like to get, I kind of think of, I kind of think of Venus and Gemini as a butterfly, which is traditionally associated with Gemini anyway, because it has that sort of lightness and frivolity and just like in a feeding mode, you're just sort of flitting from one idea to another, one flower to another, one beautiful thing to another. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's being pressed on by Pluto and Scorpio uh, and in uh, Neptune in Capricorn, which is super heavy societal changes. Um, You know, the police is a Scorpio thing. The police are ruled by Scorpio. Any sort of law enforcement is a deeply Scorpio thing. Um, And then you have Neptune in Capricorn, which is... Um, essentially the sort of fantasy about wealth and fantasy about um, legacy and uh, what you can do with money and he all a lot of his music is about that and so I was doing um, repeated viewings of his video all right today yes <laughs> and, um, he has two really striking uh, images in that video that sort of illustrate his yod. Um, one is him and his friends in this car sort of goofing around. Um, and then it pans out and you see it's being carried by the police on their backs. The cars instead of wheels have the cops. 
carrying the car, which is so lovely. Um, and then the other image is when he's sort of perched above the streetlights and he's shot down by a police officer with an imaginary gun and he falls to the earth. Um, and But the last image is of him smiling in this very sort of trickster way. So... This sort of thing of like his Venus and Gemini, which is super butterfly-y and it's very um, trying to stay in a place of lightness while being constantly pulled down by societal forces to try to be playful and creative while constantly just being dragged down back to the earth um, is so wonderful in all of his music. And I think that he's just the only good Gemini. <laughs> Maybe he is the only good Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because of this yacht. Like I just see, you know, um, even in his, the title of his album is To Pimp a Butterfly. Like it's very, he's very I was going to say, that's so perfect. Yeah. He's living it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love him too much and I can't talk about him. I get very emotional. Oh my goodness. I know. I, I love him so much. I notice um, he has his Chiron pretty close to his son um yeah. and like i feel that energy really really strong too um because i know his music has been this healing force for so many people and i think for so many societal issues that needed to be talked about and people didn't have a way um mm -hmm. and i think the sort of he's able to in that gemini way treat it with both seriousness and a sense of humor so that people can find that entry point and understand the actual impact that it's had um, yeah, and he's Libra rising too, so he's very airy. He's very um, he's very uh, on point for our episode. Um, yes, but he's sort of working with uh, these things in a in a very helpful, uh, illustrative kind of way. Yes, very healthy. You yes. don't see too many like healthy, well-adjusted Gemini uh, dudes, it seems. But no. he's crushing yeah. it. Yeah, he's doing a really good job. Good. Yeah, yeah. Snaps for Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just going to go listen to his whole back catalog again for hours. Um, yeah. That's my new life plan. The other and potentially most important Gemini is Nicole Kidman. Yes. Who I love deeply. Yeah, no, I just did like a whole hour long podcast about Nicole Kidman. I'm, I'm also obsessed. Yes. <laughs> And yeah, I loved that episode of Public Intellectual, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she in all her roles, I'm thinking specifically about um, Moulin Rouge and Eyes Wide Shut. Um, she she does. She brings that sense of frivolity and play um, to the roles, even if they are really serious, like someone dying of consumption or this woman who's going through this like terrible uh brink of divorce sort of marital tragedy um mm -hmm. she's able to do that and make it still feel like fresh and light and not soul crushing and she's very funny yeah she's hilarious i have not i've talked oh god I mean, we already talked about Eyes Wedge Shut in the last episode, so I don't want to. I don't want to go too far back in into that specific uh, topic. But Moulin Rouge, as far as like it has that hyperactive 
um, Gemini energy, I feel like. I have no idea what Baz Luhrmann is, but it does have that sort of like, there's always something new to look at and something shiny and something to draw your attention to. And yeah, that just seems like a very sort of trickster and pulling influences from everything. It just seems like a big frivolous uh, super party that I love. Yeah, that whole the the color scheme and the eclecticness. Um, one of my favorite sort of metaphors for Gemini that I always come back to is Gemini is a magpie or a collector. Um, mm-hmm. sort of seeing shiny objects and, and picking them up. Um, one of my very best friends who has Gemini Rising actually owns a vintage clothing store, um, which is incredible. So like, I feel like that is the Gemini um, energy at work in the world where you can collect the best of everything and put it out in a way that's new and interesting and um, feels like a fun game for everybody else. Yeah. Um, we also have under... Gemini's and this is like a very Gemini Gemini's Edward Snowden yes Um, yeah Uh, which as far as tricksters go uh, he's he's a pretty good one as far as uh, stealing government secrets I was gonna say I think he's got it (laughs) I think he is a national hero so I'm not in any way uh, being weird about it I actually do but it's just like that's a good way to be to do the whole Gemini thing. No, I completely agree. I was thinking about it, you know, for Geminis, I feel like information is like currency for them. They're able to take um, almost in a scorpionic way, but again, they do it. It's it, When they do it, it's lighter and brighter and it's all a game. They can take information and secrets and turn it on its head. And obviously Edward Snowden did that to a uh, great effect. I also yes. saw that um, very, very different, but... Uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was a double Gemini, sun oh. and rising. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I think that that detective aspect to Gemini is definitely there because they're just so curious about the world around them. Um, they just can't help yeah. it. And that's something that I think it's sort of uh, stereotyped as a Scorpio thing um, because it's a sort of the, there is a, a investigatory element of Scorpio but yeah Gemini makes sense too for um is especially sort of understanding patterns I feel like is a very Gemini yeah. thing um and being able to put together a big picture based on little disparate parts um seems really good for Gemini I mean what ultimately so we get these sort of stereotypes about what Gemini is about, which is just sort of big talk and and being super hyper distracted. They all have ADHD or whatever. <laughs> um, but what what's the third house and Gemini about for you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, the third house and Gemini is really about connection um, in the most... Uh, all-encompassing um, way that you can put that, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's the ability to make connections between other people and form a, a social group or community. It's the ability to make connections between disparate things and ideas to create some sort of um, cohesive message. Um, and it's the ability to connect with um, groups of people and create some sort of um, trend as well. Yeah, but there is... There is a trickster energy to it, right? Um, 
I think there's a topsy-turvy energy to the third house and Gemini that I, I just can't shake. You know, we kind of like pigeonhole writing and storytelling and um, basic messaging stuff in there. But I think it's more about the ability to recognize patterns and ways that other people wouldn't. And that's what gives you the ability to tell the story. Um, what does it mean to you, the third house and Gemini energy? Yeah, I think that connection is a really good way of um, understanding it. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's easier to figure out what a sign is about from the worst <laughs> examples of it sometimes. So with Kanye, I'm sorry that I'm talking about Kanye. Um, <laughs> Don't be but sorry. He, has, he has such a hyped up um, Gemini energy because he has Sun conjunct Jupiter, right? So it's just like uh, of amplified. Course he does. Yeah. Um, but it's just like that. I'm a fashion designer. Now I'm a visual artist. Now I'm a, you know I'm going back to, going back to music. <laughs> now I'm going to onto into TV. Is that you know? Um, and sometimes in the end, it does reveal itself as a grand project or an idea expressed in all of these different forms. And sometimes it's just chaos. So. You know, maybe at the end of Kanye's life, we will look back and we will say, oh, I get what he was doing. Or maybe <laughs> we will be like, why the fuck did we pay attention to anything after 2009? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Only time will tell. It is totally impossible to say right now. History, history will be the ultimate decider. <laughs> of Kanye's Gemini legacy. Yes. I don't know. Geminis do make really wonderful multi-hyphenate people. I think all the Geminis that I know, they have multiple hustles and they usually do great at all of them. Um, well, even Nicole Kidman is now, you know, doing production as well as doing uh, film, right? So, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I feel like they don't flourish unless there's some like heavy Saturn energy somewhere. They don't really flourish at uh, buckling down and devoting themselves to one project. I, f I feel like Gemini energy is actually best expressed as distracted and they take a lot of heat for being distracted, but that's actually the way that they operate and we should just leave them alone and be nicer to them. That's what I think. I agree. Maybe they're just noticing things way before the rest of us. I think that's it's, more... Yeah. It's a very air sign uh, trait. All the air signs kind of have that. Yeah. Should we move on to Libra? I think we should. Let, let's do Libra next. Okay, so... so the, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Instagram thing was the indecisiveness came up and up again and again. So, yeah. Yeah, everybody thinks that uh, Libras don't know. I don't know how to pick out a pair of socks or put together an outfit. Which is ridiculous because we know that they can. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, well, I mean, we're trying not to be super mean to the uh, Kanye West family. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian, uh, we're going to talk about that at all or no? <laughs> we, we I mean, I feel like we should. And I was actually, I was musing on them as being the sort of ultimate air sign couple and i'm not sure yeah. exactly how they embody that but they do they just manage to say 
I feel like for a couple that is so overexposed in the media, they genuinely, when you watch interviews with them, seem to stay completely, like, largely detached from the hype. I mean, they hype themselves up a lot, but, like, they they thrive on that kind of, like, constant information flow um, that might make somebody else go a little nutty, right? But if but if Kanye is the personification of uh, the dark side of Gemini, then Kim Kardashian in some way embodies the dark side of Libra of being uh, obsessed with the surface um, and, and obviously not the indecisive part because you can't really build an empire by being indecisive, but definitely the uh, being only sort of interested in the image projected rather than uh, any sort of substance. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that Libra image consciousness is like continually perpetuated by astrology because Libra, I, I try to get away from stereotypes like this, but I was looking and all of the Libra ladies and really just Libra people in general, they're so gorgeous like the cla- the classic beauty types like Kim Kardashian, Brigitte Bardot, Dita Von Teese, Rita Hayworth, the people you'd be like she's a babe or the you know the people that you want to buy the laundry that has their name on it cuz it makes you mm-hmm. feel like you're going to be prettier or something they are often libra people um but on the dark side of that is with Kardashian and Dita and Gwen Stefani and and some of the other sort of uh, hyper beautiful Libra people there's a lot of plastic surgery going on behind there there's so, a lot of plastic surgery with the Libras so uh, yeah just something it's, uh, it's there is something about Libra that is very um not shallow, but interested in the image projected, mm-hmm. I would say. They care a lot about artifice and sort of crafting yes. that um, exterior. I mean, yes. I think it's interesting, obviously, that Kim Kardashian was the one that pioneered contouring, um, which I've never been able to get a handle on. I don't know. No, it's insanity. I, I, I mean... The Fenty face is pretty good for the contouring, but the the extreme is it's a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> too much for me, at least. Um, the uh, Kim Kardashian also kind of embodies the stereotype of Libra as being the sort of marriage or partnership obsessed zombie. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the just regular. Libra people among us, the stereotype that gets put on them is like, oh, they just want to find out when they're going to get married or um, they want to join some sort of power couple. That's their ambition in life. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but... I don't think so. I mean, a lot of Libras that I've known personally uh, are not that way. Most of the Libras that I know personally are not that way. Um, I think that there is something with... Libra that needs an other by which to understand themselves or mm-hmm. to feel mm-hmm. like themselves. But I don't know that that necessarily means a relationship. I mean, I know a lot of Libras ha- need some great friendship or relationship with a parent or 
uh, a collaborator or something like that in order to fully feel like themselves. But mm-hmm. if I feel like to be, oh, it has to be a romantic relationship. I think that's, I think that's very reductive. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and I think it just goes to show the way that we reduce Libra and the seventh house as a whole. Um, yeah. because we are only really willing to see it through the lens of love or sex, like the best friendship or the creative collaborator or the, the business partner is kind of erased from that, um, yeah. except in like certain circumstances. So, yeah. And it's the, you know, it's the philosophical side of Venus. So it's not, um, as sort of, uh, you know, down and dirty as, as, Taurus or something like that like it is sort of enough perspective to understand what you're sort of uh, getting yourself into I feel like Libras are very smart with relationships I don't know like they actually have really good insight about uh, you should talk to them <laughs> if you're having boyfriend <laughs> problems I just feel like they're really they are really smart about it yeah, they really are. Uh, you know, the things that they people say they're good at, they truly, truly are. The the image piece of things, I don't think it's, I mean, obviously they're interested in image, but I think they really have this sense for beauty in what is harmonious. Mm-hmm. Um, even so, I'm married to a Libra son man. And yeah, I mean, he has this ability, any room that he goes into, he's like, oh, well, you should move the couch over there. And you're like, well, obviously the room would feel so much better that way. Or like, you should put that blouse with those pants. And I'm like, I would never have done that, but that looks so awesome. Like, I'm so mad at you. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like, just naturally having perfect hair and having a knack for um, again, it's it's more than beauty. It's also harmony. They know just how to give that perfect right word in a situation to sort of diffuse something and just make it feel um, more in balance, right? So where do you think the indecisive stereotype comes from? I couldn't tell you, to be totally honest. <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot. I mean, I think it's, a, frankly, just like a surface-level reading of the symbolism um, I think with Libra, there can be people-pleasing. Um, yeah. It, especially Libra Risings will do literally anything to avoid getting into a, an Aries-style conflict. Um, so I think it's not so much indec- – if there's something that they love or they're passionate about or they want to, say, pursue for their career, they're very decisive. They're totally willing to take those steps. But if it's something that they feel like is going to cause the harmony in a, in a situation to dissipate, they are not about it, and it's going to be a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the Libra that I like the most um, is Hobble. Uh, the former president of uh, the Czech Republic, who is hyper, hyper airy. Um, so he's good to talk about in this episode. But he had uh, a Libra sun and a Gemini moon and Aquarius rising. So he's got he's got a nice balance. There's a lot going on there. His chart is insane. It's, it's a lot. And to harken back to last week, he had some conjunct Lilith. So that's nice. Yes. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, that's lovely. Um, but I think, you know, uh, with the 
desire for harmony, which I do think is intrinsic in the Libra experience, you get really good diplomats and really good politicians because it's not mm-hmm. just about sort of uh, uh, an ego-based situation. It really is about how do we move everybody forward? How do we uh, create a sense of balance rather than a sense of inequality? And obviously... Um, he was phenomenal, phenomenal. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying multi-syllabic words tonight, but I'm having a little (laughs) bit of trouble, but, uh, he was phenomenal at that and was deeply disappointed that, uh, the Czech Republic, uh, went veered so hard toward capitalism after the fall of, uh, the communist regime. But that's another conversation. Yeah. This is really intriguing because I was thinking about, um, I think about Vladimir Putin's birth chart a lot. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, no. And <laughs> he, to. unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Um, and he's a Libra. And um, I was thinking about um, one part of Libra that I feel like we don't talk about enough is Libra as sort of the arbiter of um, truth and justice. Sure. Um, and I feel like when it goes to the dark side, um, that sort of manipulation of what is true or what people are willing to believe in is, is true, um, can be a very, um, Libra thing. And I think we see that through Vladimir Putin's chart. Um, the, if you read about, I mean, it's, it's quite sad, but it's a little bit hilarious reading about like the photo shoots that he'll stage of himself um to try to make the public think that he's like a i don't know some big man that goes out and rides horses and does cowboy stuff i'm not sure but um, also he disappears a lot for plastic surgery purposes like every exactly. once in a while someone will just notice that nobody's seen putin in like two weeks and they're like where the <laughs> fuck is putin and they're like he's fine he's on a retreat and it, he comes back with a very tight, shiny face. So he's obviously getting work done. And so he fits into all the Libra uh, bad stereotypes. Unfortunately, he definitely does. Oh, Putin. But I feel like on the positive side of Libra, we have some of our favorite leading men, uh, Michael yes. Douglas and Viggo Mortensen. Um, yes, it was, I spend too much time thinking about Michael Douglas, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about Vigo Mortensen, probably. So uh, there you go. Li- Libras yeah. really do make wonderful leading men because they're able to, yeah, they just make every situation more nice. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of projection with Libra too, of like, oh, mm-hmm. I could, I could be the their ideal partner kind of thing. Um, they've got that kind of openness. Um, yeah. Also, a lot of writers, obviously, like all the air signs have a lot of writers. Um, But for whatever reason, a lot of the American modernists were Libra, Gertrude Stein, Faulkner, Fitzgerald. It's funny. Like, it's just a lot of in this one particular era, the people who are doing the most sort of experimental work were all Libra. It's very it's very funny to me. It's very intriguing. We should research that a little bit more. Yeah, there's some sort of generational thing going on there. I just saw Faulkner and I was like, nope, I won't do it. 
I fucking hate Faulkner, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting if not, you know, I'm not going to read his books in order to talk about him, but uh, I've done enough of that anyway. Yes, absolutely. Is that good for Libra? Should we move on to Aquarius? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Aquarius. I think we're ready. <laughs> Are we ever truly ready for Aquarians? I would say no. No, no, no. No. So... Aquarius for me was a hard one to dig into or um, really feel out because I don't have anything in Aquarius in my chart. I have Pallas Athena in Aquarius. That's not true. I have her. Um, But that's it. And so it's an energy that feels like very alien to me, very different. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I have my midheaven in Aquarius, but uh, still Aquarians. um, Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a universal experience of Aquarians because the um, primary complaint that we got via Instagram was that people treat them like aliens. So maybe there just is something kind of off-putting about Aquarians. Maybe. Um, I mean, even even the sort of... uh, you know, the celebrity famous, the most famous Aquarians are people that everybody feels weird about, like Axl Rose, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> Rasputin. Like, these are people that are a little unsettling because they just feel like, where the fuck did you come from? Where did Abraham Lincoln come from? Like a log cabin. That does, That's not enough. Like, he obviously came from a spaceship or from the ocean or something. Like, nobody knows. Obviously really. came from a spaceship. Obviously. And Mozart... Like that, oh stuff, gosh, like that yeah. child prodigy energy of like I'm composing a symphony at three. Like go fuck yourself, Aquarians. Like it's too much. You're t- <laughs> you're so much. <laughs> I think part of it. So as I was puzzling it out, because Aquarians are so enigmatic and such a puzzle by nature. Um, I think it has something to do with the fact that um, oftentimes Aquarius is associated with the collective unconscious or the collective consciousness. And I think that they really are tapped into the sort of cosmic or collective consciousness in a way that the rest of us are just not. Um, And so that's why it feels foreign to us and and just very strange. Um, And I think that's also why they're such trendsetters. I mean, that is the other stereotype that I hear about Aquarius is like, dear Aquarius, you are going to start so many trends. You are the first to do it all. Um, But I think it's totally true because they're able to tap into whatever the cultural moment is and be just one step ahead of everybody else. And because they understand the way groups function, because obviously the 11th house is groups, they're able to communicate those ideas in a way that really like resonates with the zeitgeist. And also to reach a level of uh, sort of abstraction mm-hmm. that uh, just feels weird to everybody else because everybody else is there in their feelings and they're like, I have a theory <laughs> about what you're yes. experiencing. And she's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm bleeding, I'm crying. <laughs> Can you come back <laughs> two years from now and tell me your theory? But yeah, no, there is something about that. I mean, when I look at somebody like, you know, like the philosopher Simone Weil, who was an Aquarius, like she was so Aquarius. This is the most Aquarius. It's just like uh, abstracting war and hunger um, and mm. uh, and God and 
everything just like able to turn everything into uh a, like a tight little aphorism and you're just like fuck you simone bay <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I have a lot of feelings about her, but, um, and even somebody, you know, like Aquarius, I feel like Aquarius celebrities tend not to have enormous careers. I feel like they're able to tap into one specific moment and they, uh, sort of epitomize or become symbols of that moment. And, uh, and then they just sort of kind of disappear like Chris Rock even like his new stuff is just sort of eh um but while he was in it he was able to articulate things that nobody else was able to say um and it was very exciting and now it's kind of now he's sort of out of sync yeah that is really interesting you know the Paris Hilton is also an Aquarius, as is Ashton Kutcher. And, like, when you hear those names, you just instantly think, like, early aughts. Um, Paris Hilton makes so much sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's hot. She took that aphorism, (laughs) and it just completely uh, epitomized a whole, kind of a whole decade. Um, But now, where is Paris Hilton? What's she doing? I think she's making professional appearances as herself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess. Um, I guess. Oh, Michael Jordan, also an Aquarius. That doesn't surprise me. That also kind of makes sense as far as like the sort of crash and burn he had with his own career, right? Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was that's like, the thing of like the Aquarius. I feel like Aquarians need a lot of stimulus. And mm-hmm. so they get uh, in the way that Gemini kind of gets bored and distracted, I feel like Aquarius um, is passionate about one thing, and then when their attention focuses, it's they're passionate about this other thing in a in a very intense way. So, yeah, so it can be if you choose the wrong thing, suddenly you submerge below <laughs> the uh, society's <laughs> image of you or whatever, and it doesn't always follow, but. But yeah, I mean, um, it's and it's funny because I feel like David Bowie is so associated with Aquarius, even though he was a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. But he had so much of that Uranian Aquarius energy in his chart that it just sort of overpowered the Capricorn part of it. Now, I want to triple check, but I think David Bowie is. Yes, he is an Aquarius rising. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the 12th house sun, which is, mm-hmm. yeah. There really are intense outer space themes with Aquarius, I'm noticing, like the, yeah. um, the Starman, obviously Spiders from Mars, obviously for David Bowie. I mean, it it takes an Aquarius to be in a movie like Space Jam, is all yeah. I'm saying. It, yeah, no, it's <laughs> a very important moment in our collective culture, <laughs> Space Jam. Uh, if anybody, if anybody needs Space Jam, I noticed that it, there was one on the stoop uh, in Baltimore VHS tape. The oh other my day. gosh! <laughs> uh, I think it's on Howard Street and like 25th or something like that. So if you, it might still be there. That's but a, there's supposed to be a tornado tonight, so probably not anymore. That's a big Mercury retrograde moment. Yeah, 
Yeah, all the dark stuff reemerging. Also, I feel like so we're both on the East Coast and we're both just like waiting for tornadoes to go through. There's a huge storm going yeah. on where I am and it's going to go see Jessa, I don't know, in like an hour or something. Um, so, yeah. Welcome, Mercury Retrograde and Scorpio. Obviously <laughs> incarnate in this tornado. It's totally fine. It's uh, it's making a big entrance. Yeah. Um. Before we wrap up Aquarius, I wanted to ask you, so how do you conceptualize the energy of Aquarius in the 11th house? Like, are there any specific keywords or traits that you look for with that? I mean, I kind of um, just see it as kind of a UFO. <laughs> um, sort of just able to hover above and get past a grounded individual viewpoint um and to be able to see a whole scene or a whole society or a whole community or something and how it functions rather than just seeing their own perspective in it and so i think that that can be really great and obviously um aquarian people have been i mean if you're going to talk about you know, good Aquarians, Abraham Lincoln, as far as being like the person to say, yeah, we're not going to do fucking slavery anymore um, because yeah. it's gross. Um, I mean, that's an Aquarius. It takes an Aquarian to be like, no, I'm stepping outside of this and this is disgusting and we're going to move society forward whether society wants to or not. Um, you know, they can be able to understand where society should be going. Uh, even it, to their own detriment. And, uh, you know, uh, or they can just be Rasputin. And <laughs> that, turn, that one just turned out play great. With that. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really work very well for, uh, or it worked really good for the people, actually, because the, it, he, you know, he coincided with the downfall of the czar. So maybe he was an anarchist uh, protester infiltrating that's my new theory about rescue that's it Thank again you. aquarians are yeah. all ahead of their time so yeah, they are check anything else yeah. we need to talk about with the uh the air element i don't think so just that uh i don't have any so if anything i said today is wrong it's because i have zero air in my chart and that's what i that's what i'm blaming zero air oh my goodness I have Moon and Gemini, Mercury and Libra, both placements I love, and um, little to no Aquarius. So if you are an air sign person, um, get at us and tell us what you think about being an air sign on yes. Instagram, on Twitter. We will talk to you. We promise. <laughs> now go out and get in your spaceship and fly away. Don't let the tornado yeah. hit you on the way out. <laughs> 